0: boom hello and welcome to the protector nation podcast a podcast that is dedicated to making the world a better place making the world a safer place by making good people dangerous in this podcast we're going to study and understand what it takes to protect to protect your family to protect your loved ones because we all know that you have a few basic needs food water and shelter but You also have the need to protect those things. In a world and society where evil runs rampant and is sometimes left unchecked, learning how to protect yourselves and your loved ones is becoming more and more important. And so we strive to raise the level of accountability to those who would do evil on this planet by making sure that the sheep, that the flock, is more well-versed in protecting themselves and their loved ones. If that sounds interesting to you, then sit back and enjoy the show. Out. This is my MCK. There are many like them, but this one is mine. Oh, dude, get it right. This is my MCK. There are many like it, but this one is mine. If you've got a firearm sitting around, a pistol that you are not doing anything with, get an MCK. They make them for every single model. If you want a micro conversion kit that will turn your handgun into a force multiplier, get one man they are ultra affordable CAA MCK micro conversion kits are the changing the game y'all so if you don't have one you need to get one get one your women children people that are less physically potent will be able to fire your firearm to farther distances with more accuracy you will be able to fire your firearm to farther distances with more accuracy I want to get one of these into the hands of of a hundred thousand more protectors this year because ultimately we are only as good as the things the nation is only as good as its protection your home is only as safe and as good as your ability to protect it mck go get one drop your handgun in take it to the next level out boom boom what's going on you guys good morning good morning good day we've got another episode coming at you. This one's going to be, they're all special, but I'm, I'm so excited every time because we the people we get to talk to, the people we get to talk to in this podcast and interact with. It's just such an honor. So today's guest, we've got a retired Lieutenant Colonel, Mikey Hartman, the CEO of CAA. How are you doing, sir? How's it going? I'm doing very well. Glad to be here. Outstanding. It is definitely an honor. So just a little back, just for you guys listening, as you've been noticing in my content, I've been wielding this pretty impressive, you could call it kind of like a weapon system, a really impressive accessory to a handgun, which I'm really excited about. It's a force multiplier, whether you're a professional protector, or you're a civilian protector, this is something I really want to get in the hands of everybody who is serious about personal protection. So, you know, I'm walking through SHOT Show, I'm looking for brands and equipment for us to join forces with. Um, Aaron Suzo, who you guys saw on the last on the last episode, calls me over, shows me this new system. I'm so Totally stoked about it. So, we have joined forces with CAA over the MCK platform. And um, I, I can't wait to tell you guys all about it. So, we've got the CEO of the company here, Mikey Hartman, but it's so much more than that. You know, his experience and his background is tremendous. IDF training over 500,000. Uh, soldiers over there and as you guys know with the IDF you know it's it's these guys are out there doing it so we're going to bring a whole lot of real world experience master sniper um and and so many other things and publications he's been in um he's a he's definitely a man that's uh, experienced in the field of combat real world combat but also a man that's done considerable work for the tactical community. And then now, you know, as a CEO of this company, um, you know, this is pretty awesome. So, uh, with no further ado, let's get into it, sir. How, uh, one of the my favorite questions to kick these things off with is, you know, who are you at your core, man? Who's the man behind the work? You know, where's this coming from?
1: Um, you know, my entire life, I was not very good at a lot of things, but the, the one of the gifts that God gave me was to shoot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember growing up in in a backyard and with a BB gun and, and and shooting toothpicks in the ground and saying, you know, I had that I could do that. You know, I wasn't a very strong guy. Um, I was an OK athlete, nothing special, mm-hmm. but um, I could shoot. So. You know, and and I again, I, I was born in Memphis, grew up in L.A., but I went to join the uh, Israeli army when I was about 18, 19, uh, ended up doing 22 years there. But uh, the first word I learned in Hebrew was Salaf. Salaf means uh, sniper in, in Hebrew. I didn't know I would be six time champion of Israel shooting back then, but that was the first word I learned. And um, and I guess I got lucky because, you know, Jewish Jewish people were not very good athletes. So being the best out of people that are not very good athletes, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, you're you're strong against weak people. No, but the Israeli army, were, it's a very fighting army. It's a very tactical army. It's a very uh, unfortunately because there are neighbors around us don't want us there. So I guess, you know, I just wanted to help. You know, I just wanted to be a part of something bigger than me um i had this uh dream that i was a you know now what's happening with russia and ukraine i had this dream that i was a a sniper in the holocaust in 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 germany and how many nazi uh guys can i take down before they get me it was a reoccurring dream when i was in high school um and and that was one of the things so when i first went into the infantry in in 88 I told my platoon commander, I want to be a, a salaf. I want to be a sniper. And he said, okay, we'll see what you can do. We had a Galil back then, which was a very heavy, uh, uh, <laughs> heavy assault rifle. Not, not fun to run with that, by the way. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so I've always been, I think my, my gift, I don't have many gifts. And if you ask my wife, she'll tell you, I have very little gifts, but <laughs> my, uh, my gift I think has always been to think outside the box a little bit. So, when I wrote the Israeli doctrine on how to shoot a gun and I, I commanded the school for 17 years, it was, I would go to sleep with an idea and pen and paper and wake up. And the next day it was law in Israel because we didn't have all the red tape and bureaucratic stuff that you guys have here in your military and mm-hmm. and we were always in battle. So we're always learning from what we're doing right and wrong. So I think I was always able to see things logically. It was uh, It was pretty easy for me to see certain things that maybe others didn't see. Um, and I always wanted to be part of something bigger than me. I wanted to be, I wanted to be able to do something good for, for something bigger than me and and the country was bigger than me. And that's why my kids, every time they see a policeman or a guy in uniform, they run over to him and say, thank you for your service. And they've been taught that from day one. So, uh, anybody who's willing to put their lives on the line to help us, uh, those are the people that need to be respected.
0: Outstanding. Outstanding. I you know, I, as we do these interviews, I I tend to find people who kind of have what we call the protection DNA, you know, and it's just almost like, you know, it's like, when did you really become this protected, the protective mindset, this person, and a lot of times it you know, some of the best, and this is why we say protection, whether it's professional or whether it's, um, just because you understand the facts of life. Um, it's more than a job; it's a lifestyle, and uh, it sounds like that's been with you since the beginning, and maybe even a cultural component to that.
1: You know, it, it's a hard one for me to be honest because I was the guy that was into the girls. I was the girl guy. I loved. Yeah, I loved, you're smooth. I, you I, are smooth. <laughs> I I, I love the women. That was my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's because I didn't like the way I look. And the more girls I slept with, the better I thought I looked. You know, it was probably an ego problematic thing in my brain somewhere deep inside of where we right. don't want to go. We don't want to go there. Yeah. Uh, but but the I was always the lover, not the fighter guy, to be honest. So every time guys would have a fist fight in high school or something, I'd be the guy breaking up the fight. Yeah. You know, I was I was president of my high school. I was, you know, wow. I was like the the I wasn't the violent guy. You know, I wasn't the guy getting in trouble. I wasn't the guy, um, right. all the, the girlfriend's mothers used to like me because I pick up the plate and go clean off my, tape, my yeah. plate in the sink, you know, <laughs> I, I knew how to do, I knew how to hit the right buttons. When you're not good looking, you have to hit the right buttons. It's the way it it's works. True. It's true. Yeah. So so, yeah. <laughs> so, so the, the fact that I evolved to be this, you know, uh, the head sniper of Israel or, or, mm. or, you know, writing the Israeli doctrine on how to shoot a gun, I don't know how many people would have said that's who I am. you know mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many people would have said to me and when I'm 16, 17, 18, you know, you're gonna be a lieutenant colonel in the Israeli Army. I don't think yeah. it was written down in stone prior. so sometimes I even think I went against my DNA regarding who I am and what I am. but yeah. to be honest, one of the reasons I joined the military was I needed to grow up. you know mm-hmm. I, I was um, maybe too too much of a spoiled kid. I didn't understand life and uh did a whole bunch of mistakes uh in my in my high school years Mm -hmm. and that i'm not proud of but i i thought how can i become a man how do i how do i grow up and so one way is to join the inventory of the IDF. that'll put some hair on your chest as we say and uh that'll grow you up real quick so um that's one of the reasons i joined uh you want you want i I spoke about the patriotic side of it but uh (laughs) I also had the honor to train all, uh, at least three to 4,000 American troops before they would go into Afghanistan and Iraq. I always got along better with the military and law enforcement people by definition, my DNA mm. gets along better with these people. But, um, the, there were a lot of times before they would go to Iraq and Afghanistan, we would train them and, uh, they would come by my base. I, I was in the anti-terror school in Israel for, for those 17 years. Wow. And, um, and I love those guys, and we used to joke around a lot with them back in the times. This is probably, I gotta say, early 90s, maybe mid 90s, late 90s. We would uh, we had guys that even in the early 2000s, they would come with long M16s, like this long gut. and we already had gone in the IDF to the short that was like an M4 hybrid, uh, oh, short M16, but the the upper was a uh, was an M4. And uh, and we would always ask him, why are you guys going into these long guns? Because the, the American military did not have a lot of experience in CQB situations. They were a Vietnam, it was a Vietnam thing, you know. This is before the desert storm, this is before Iraq, this is before Afghanistan. The tour they had to clean clean rooms and clean houses and clean streets, right? This was not their thing, and this is what we always did, right? That's what right. the IDF does. And, and I, we wanted the smaller guns so it would be easier to get out of cars, get it inside of rooms. You know, it was we wanted the least more compact things. Absolutely. And they and I would ask these guys, why are you doing it? And, and bullshit to hear about range. Oh, the barrel's longer, it can shoot farther. It's bullshit. I can go into that for a long time. I've built all the ballistic <laughs> charts of Israel, so I'm pretty yeah. good at the ballistic side of it. But uh, they would tell me that the reason is uh, they would joke around because they didn't want to be with the long gun either. The long M16, they would say it's good for saluting when they would have to put it next <laughs> to at attention. If they put it on the ground, the yeah. long gun gets down there, the short gun, it doesn't get there. You got to reach, you got to bend over to, to get to the, to the small point. So, um, I, have been, I've been lucky. I've been, uh, I've been good that God's able, given me a few gifts in life that have allowed me to help people. And, uh, and to uh, bring my very few <laughs> abilities to to bring them to the forefront and and, and affect change. You know, it's kind of sure. kind of cool when you sh- you leave a stamp on an, a fighting military and you write every every shot that's shot in the idea for at least the two decades that I was there was something that I wrote. So wow. it was uh, it was kind of cool and uh, and it was. Uh, it was humbling but it was also probably the reason my wife married me you know because they yeah, i was kind of known in israel on all the talk shows and and the prime ministers and everyone made a big deal about me and mm-hmm. for no reason though and i was just a good shooter and yeah. uh and they would call i had uh, they wouldn't call me mikey they would call me agadah which by the way is the name of our new gun by the way but oh, the, the agadah means uh, whatever it doesn't matter what it means in hebrew but it's uh it was just something that um kind of stuck and I would come to bases, and I would say, "I'm Mikey." Open up the gate, and they say, "You're not Mikey." I said, no, "Mikey, you know, you have a driver." Yeah. <laughs> so, since I was 23, I had a driver. They don't pay wow. you any salary; they give you like $180 a month salary. But you, but you got wow. a car and a driver. You know, <laughs> there are fringe benefits in poverty. So. Right. Uh, I would come to a gate. I'm say a paratrooper base or a, another infantry unit, and I'm, I'm Mikey. Open the gate. No, you're not Mikey. I open up the gate. I'm Mikey. No, you're not Mikey. <laughs> Mikey's seventy years. Mikey's seventy years old. He's got gray hair. You know, they would tell wow. these story. They would tell these stories about me of stuff that I did with a gun that I never did. That I yeah. never did, though, so way, way, way above my pay grade, and they would just say that I did this and I did this, and there would be stories told, and mm-hmm. it would like uh, snowball into these crazy legends that were built. And I didn't <laughs> do ha- I didn't do half the shit they said I did. You know, to be oh, honest, I, did, I didn't. All, I didn't always. I didn't correct them, though. I <laughs> made,
0: let some but, of them just <laughs> ride.
1: Yeah, I may have let some go by without correcting them. Yeah, that probably happened a few times.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. No, but it's it's definitely an honor and. It's really good to kind of hear in your own words what that that journey was like. You know, I know a lot of men aspire to that, and definitely something I want to point out is that you know the humility you know that comes from like, that you've been able to extract and maintain through that experience, just by the way you you present for sure. Can I? What does Agadab mean? It's, it's driving I know I know lighter. I don't
1: want to, I don't want to compliment myself. i am already got a big ego. Uh, Agadab means legend. So, uh, <laughs> yes,
0: that's yes, awesome. That's so, what I was thinking.
1: So, yeah, what well, the problem is? I've been called agada my whole life. You know, when you teach five hundred thousand people to shoot, that that's, they don't know your names, right? right. So I would call them Achi. Achi means brother. I can't remember everybody's name. You know, say, hey, Mikey, how you doing? that how you doing? I say, hey, Achi, how you, how you doing, my brother? You can't yeah. you, I, you can't remember everybody's name, obviously. So and that stuck to me about eight, nine, ten years before they came out with the American Sniper here. And wow. and and his name was called the legend, right? So I was about ten years a decade before, but obviously he was more kick-ass than me. I can't. I'm not going to compare myself to that guy. Uh, rest in peace. So that's like crazy, crazy stuff. Yes, and man. and some of the movie was true, and some of the movie wasn't true, but that's a, another issue. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I guess it's a name they give people that that shoot very well. I, I guess uh, sometimes it just sticks that way. So. My wife tries to make fun of me all the time with that stuff, and you know they think you're a legend, but you're not. You know, so that would be that kind of stuff, bringing my bringing my ego down. Right. Um, a, a quick story on that. It, it's it's interesting the metamorphosis in life. Yeah. Um, I took over the IDF shooting school when I was twenty three. Wow. I'm a second lieutenant. They put two captains underneath me, so that that's not one above me. That's a lieutenant. They put two ranks above me two guys that are two ranks above me underneath me, right? Which is so problematic. (laughs) It's not, it's unheard of. It's never, it doesn't happen ever. Right. And, um, and I remember my, my first years, my first four years, until like 97, I was a very incredibly popular person. Everyone, yeah, they would oh, would Mikey's got patients of this. And they would have this something called sociometry. It was this test that they would fill out. And all the officers would fill it out on you. And you would fill it on them. And I always finished in the 100th percentile. I was always the, the number one. But my I was not creating the effect that I thought that I could on the IDF. Mm-hmm. I had a small effect. I was okay. I was helping here. I was helping there. But to be honest, I wasn't creating tremendous change. Wow. I was too. My scope of responsibility and and, and authority was too small. Hmm. And and I remember this like yesterday. I was twenty seven years old, sitting in my office. Wow. And I'm saying to myself, Do you want to be popular? Do you want to make a change? Do you standing. want Do you want to uh, be liked, or do you want to create a uh, a stamp or an effect that can actually change people's lives and, and save people's lives, which I always thought I did, but at, at a more degree. And And this is it, it, a very, very accurate and, and true story, but it, it's a very deep feeling for me. And right. I knew that if I wanted to affect change, I had to be, and I hate saying this, a bit more of an asshole. And I had to take over units that were not mine mm-hmm. or take responsibility of something that had a connection to my life, meaning how to clean a gun, how to safety check a gun, who gets what targets, who gets what ammo, who gets what scopes, who gets what guns, who goes to which courses that had to do with the shooting field. So all these different divisions in the Army, like the safety division, dealt with how to check a gun. The I don't know how they call these guys, the, the armory guys, they would talk about how to clean a gun. Uh, the course guys, the guys that sit in an office somewhere and who goes to what course, they would deal with that. The guys that are responsible to procure targets and, and uh, um, guns, they were in different divisions, but I was not their commander. I was in charge of training the Israeli military how to shoot, but I didn't touch those stuff, which had a, a direct effect on me. So I then said, you're gonna go on this path to try to take over these areas in everyone else's, in these people, other people's responsibilities. And this is going to cost you popularity. You are going to be less liked by doing these uh, these motions. And I remember sitting there, it was like yesterday. And even though I'm an old man now, I'm 52, but this is like you know half a life ago. And uh, and I said, I think this is the right thing to do. And I slowly but surely took over all that. The way we clean a gun, no one in the world cleans it. The way we check a gun, no one in the world cleans uh, checks a gun like we do. Uh, All these responsibilities, who gets what targets, who gets what ammo, two years afterwards probably, maybe even less, I was responsible for all of that in the IDF. Not only could you not shoot a shot in the IDF without my OK, you couldn't get a target, you couldn't get a bullet, you couldn't get a a telescope without my OK on that. And, And then we did the sociometry again, and I came in 20th percentile. Eighty percentile were more popular than me. In two years, <laughs> I went down from the the most liked guy to one of the yeah. most disliked guys in a span of a year to two. It was like, oh my god, what did I do? Did my personality change? Am I now a different person? But uh, but I changed the army, and it was kind of cool. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, to be honest. Two years after, I went back up to 100. But it was uh, it was a learning experience
0: to be not liked for a while. Wow. But a very important—I mean, depending on your mission set, I mean, what your values are—very important move to be made, and a definitely, I think, a lesson for uh, for anyone listening who really wants to be impactful. Uh, that's 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 uh that's some good life experience, you know. I think that's pretty awesome. It was it was um, it was it was a great journey.
1: I, I enjoyed every moment of those twenty-two years.
0: That's that's awesome to be able to say that. Um, and it sounds like it was really in alignment with, you know, being able to, what you said in the beginning, positively impact something that's greater than you, you know, and there's so much value in that, you know, especially for our young listeners, you know, getting outside of yourself and serving in a capacity that you can really respect and contributing to a culture that you honor. These things mean so much in life. Um
1: as, as a father, you know, it's also, you know, know we, it, we, we, we all don't always have the opportunity to affect change in a and a big organism you know not everyone goes to the military or not everyone can can be a ceo or not everyone can be a president of the united states and not everyone can you know whatever whatever path someone goes into a doctor lawyer whatever they do mm-hmm. some, but some of the times things that we can for sure have an effect on it can be on our our brother sister it can be on our father mother it can be on our son daughter we can always affect change to the even our close friends next to us you know my kids and you know, we spoke about saying thank you or thank you for your service to every fireman or law enforcement or military guy they see but even more so than that you know we go and we buy pizzas for the neighborhood police department we yeah. go to that we go to the homeless uh, shelter in uh, hollywood here or a plantation and we we give over and we buy them food you know doing something small to to affect change or even put a smile on someone's face is is very uh I probably enjoy that more than anything and that sometimes conflicts with my ceo job because yeah I like buying these guys pizza and cookies and employee employee of the month and christmas bonuses and throwing out money to these guys which I do all the time but on the other hand when they screw up they're in my office doing my new, new, new speech. If you don't get better, I'm kicking your butt out, and, <laughs> I, have to, and I have to be the disciplined guy. You know, the guy yes. that 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 I'm the only guy who criticizes anybody. So, yes. and, and when you criticize, it's not a popular thing. Everyone says. I want to have criticism. I want to change. Oh, yeah, you know, so. <laughs> I, I, I need criticism. If I want to grow, I need people to yeah, tell me, it's yeah. all bullshit. It's until bullshit until it comes it's, it's, time. <laughs> until it comes time. It's what we call must for time and evil. It's taxes of the mouth. The mouth is talking, but it's not, there's nothing behind it. You know, it's, it's, right. it's, it's all bullshit. So in this job, I have to be, you know, um strict as well, or right. educating and uh disciplining and and expecting the most and pushing them to be their best and when you do that it's not always easy and when someone screws up they screw up and they have to be able to man up take responsibility learn from the mistakes so we can be better the next time right, right. i'm not shooting anybody in the kneecaps anymore you know this is, i don't do that anymore i'm, I'm retired so um uh, that's also a crazy thing in the idea if we sometimes do stupid crap but the <laughs> We went into this world of non-lethal stuff, you know, the rubber bullets, the plastic bullets. I'll say in my world, uh, the two, two, the, uh, the 22s that we would shoot uh, high, uh, much less velocity, velocity. And a lot of times that we had to do like crowd management or disbursement, we would call it. And I apologize. I still think in Hebrew, my English sucks. But <laughs> we would use these plastic rubber uh bullets to to deal with these uh, these guys. And in my mind it was insanity because these rounds were so not accurate mm-hmm. that we would aim at their knee, because you would always have to aim at the lower part of the body. That was a rule, that was a law in the IDF. Mm-hmm. And they were so not accurate, you hit the guy in the head and you actually kill him. No, so no. I said, you know, you should be actually using a, a full metal jack a 556, five, which was our round in the in the IDF. Mm-hmm. aim at a kneecap with a five five six at least you'll hit the kneecap right yeah. so you might as well be accurate with this if you want to be non-lethal hit, right. a, hit a part of the body that it's not going to kill the guy right wow. so some of the times sometimes you have to you have headshots, and some of the times you have a, a, a knee shot right mm-hmm. leg shots are always harder by the way because they're moving and yeah. when you ever, whenever you're hitting a aiming at a moving target and he's going from the hardest time to hit a moving target is left to right nine to three or three to nine when he's okay. going from side to side of you, right? If he's running at you, it's almost like a still target in your sight, right? So you're Mm -hmm. seeing a stationary target just getting bigger and bigger and bigger as it Mm -hmm. approaches you. In those areas, I say, don't even shoot, pull out a grenade, pull out the pin and hand it Mm -hmm. to him when he gets there, right? So if he's coming to you, let him come. Yeah. But uh, the hardest one to shoot is when he's crossing you from left to right, because then the the amount of space that he moves by the time the bullet gets to him is the, the the most so the lead you need to do on someone like that is a larger lead but right. when you look at that the hardest part to hit is the legs is underneath the the waist 100%. because because the left leg and right leg are cross are crossing each other the whole time and that becomes a very hard shot while the upper torso stays stay steady, it does right. not have the movement of the legs. So by definition, when you're shooting at a moving target going from left to right or right to left, you don't wanna shoot at the legs. But in right. some areas we have to, because that's the the situation asked for that. So uh, shooting at moving targets, I I took a picture of my driver, and uh and we make we put them on all the targets in israel and we didn't have sophisticated stuff we don't have any money the only stuff we have is what american gives us you know Mm -hmm. so the way i'll talk to that in a second so we had we would practice on the poor man moving targets because moving targets is everything okay uh we do a little stationary but the the upper training is in the moving targets and Mm -hmm. we didn't have all the electronic targets back then and we didn't have anything that you know was anything any advance. Sometimes we'd even have a string pulling targets. But what we yeah. would do, we would build trenches at 200 yards, or we call it 200 meters, which is a little bit more than 200 yards, yeah. and we'd build this trench. And we would have guys put on the like a Kevlar vest, but it wasn't what, what we had back then, and a helmet and, and, and eyes. And mm-hmm. they would walk with the target inside of this trench and what would stick out above the, 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 the bottom of the land would be the target only. So when you're at the firing line, you can't see the guy in the, t- the trench, but you can see the target that he's holding up above him, uh, and he's aiming at that. So we made this profile target, a uh, 80 by 30 uh, centimeter target, which is like the the, 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 the length of a, of a normal human being is 30 and 80 above the torso. We took off the legs because you we went on to shoot off the legs uh, at a moving target, and that's the way we would train soldiers to shoot, by walking in a tunnel and having people shoot at those targets above him, They were about two hundred yards. We would do that. So you would also learn a lot by having bullets fly over your head, right? The timing between the the, the bullet leaving the, sh- the the barrel and creating the first noise and the the sound of the, the speed of sound going over your ear and understanding distances by the the difference between those two sounds. So uh, a lot of cool shit. But we were all we were so poor, and America is basically Israel's only friend. So without America, we don't have any friends. But what people don't know is, let's say uh, America gave, gives Israel, uh, which is a very sensitive issue. Uh, they give money to Israel. Mm-hmm. They give money to everybody. They give money to the terrorists. They give money to Iran. Obviously, I heard that one, too, right. like boat boatloads of, or plane loads. But when they give you money, they give you coupons. And you have to use that coupon mm-hmm. in America. You have right. to use it in America. So. When we got coupons for M4s, we bought <clears throat> M4s from America. Do you know how much we paid for every M4 in the IDF? Huh. I'll blow you away now. Okay. $1,400. Now that's a shitload of money to pay when you're buying, you know, 60, 70,000 uh, yeah. of them at a the time. Yeah. So the, you would uh, think you get, that's what
0: we're all civilians are paying right now. For, yeah, <laughs> you and,
1: know? I, and I'm talking to you 20 years ago, right? I'm talking to right. you. I brought, I brought the first M4 to the, to the IDF in maybe 97, 98, you know, and it was just the upper back then. Yeah. And at 97, maybe even 96, right around there. So I can't remember. Sorry. It's not important. So, um, so it's, we're vastly overpaying to pay 1,400, but we can't complain because we got the coupons. So mm-hmm. the objective of that money is to strengthen the US economy, to be honest. So the money go, flows back into the American uh, market. That's the way it's used. So it's okay. those, the, those money can only be used in America. So we have, there's an oh, Israeli, yeah. <laughs> found, uh, Israeli army uh, uh, office in New York, in Manhattan, uh. on uniform. You're on uniform. You're on Israeli uniform in New York. And those guys' job is to take the, the the finance that America gives to Israel and then reinvest that into the American economy and buy stuff from America.
0: OK. Great. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. So that's how they like, <laughs> man, that sounds kind of intense. Those yeah, places well, and then being like, well, you can't spend it at home. You got to get here and spend it. That's well, we, like- we,
1: we didn't live without you guys anyway. Even our, our, our rations, our food rations, mm-hmm. a lot of it was American stuff. You know, you guys would eat your your rations in the military. That you guys, I don't know what you guys call them those uh, little portions that they give MRAs. you. yeah, MRA. Those were better than my Friday night dinners. That's our Sabbath. You know, like <laughs> you, you guys, guys were like, we're all. You don't. We don't. You guys, when you have ten minutes, we would. I've been in so many bases in America. I've been, and I trained guys in Fort Bragg recently. I love those guys. So I'm I'm very much into the U.S. military. But the the mm-hmm. things that I would see when you guys have ten minute break they go outside and they start doing push-ups and pull-ups. We get them in break in Israel, we're smoking a cigarette. So, yeah. you know, it's a different concept. The mm-hmm. discipline in the American military yeah. is a hundred times better than really? the discipline in the Israeli army. Wow, It's not even comparison. We are the champions <laughs> of improvisation. We yes, don't do wow. anything by the book. We always have yeah. to adapt, you know, to adapt mm-hmm. to your surroundings. So I remember I remember going to Camp Lejeune once, Mm-hmm. Well, I was in the military. I was probably a, a captain or a major. I can't remember. One of the two. I wasn't a lieutenant colonel for sure. So, and we went to do some training and I meet kind of like my equal, kind of, he was yeah. in charge of shooting in that base. He wasn't in charge of shooting of the entire U S military, but he was in charge of that. He was like a master, master Sergeant. I don't understand the ranks in, in the U S military. Mm-hmm. He was a NCO guy though. He was not an officer. And he was smoking a cigar, like a big guy. He was like a box. He was a box with a head. You guys are much bigger than we are. We're, we're, we're Everyone, all, why are you guys so small? I said, I don't know. God made us this way. We're not, We're. you don't see Jews winning athletic gold medals. You know, we, we don't have that gift. Yes. So, and and we started talking about how do you deal with a stoppage? How do we train in Israel? How to deal with the stoppage? And how does the American military train on the stoppage? And this sums up. The discipline factor difference between the U.S. military and the Israeli military in one short story. I ask him, "How do you guys deal with stoppages?" And he says to me, "Sports." I don't know the fuck who was talking about. Sports. What is sports? This is how they do all that. So S, smack the magazine. P, pull the receiver. O, observe to see what's happening in the gun. Mm-hmm. R, release. T, hit the little knob thing that closes the bolt. S. Squeeze the trigger. And I look at this guy he's like, like he's on drugs. I'm like, oh, <laughs> are, 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 you, are you frigging serious? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what? I said, well, if you just do what you just said, that smack, pull, observe, release, tap, s squeeze shit, if yeah. you do that, 85% of the time will not clean a stoppage. He looks at me like I'm smoking drugs, which yeah. I hadn't, which I hadn't done years for years at least. <laughs> right. And uh and he says I know. I said what do you mean you know you crazy person if you know why are you teaching that. And he looks at me like I'm like I fall off Mars. Mm-hmm. Why am I teaching that? Cuz that's how it says to do in my doctrine. That's what we're supposed? That's to. what the that's doctrine the says. Yeah. If the doctrine says sports, I'm teaching sports. Yeah. I said you're insane. I said you're insane. If I taught that way, how many people dead people there be in Israel? Yeah. I the difference with us, if I write in a book let's do ABC in a doctrine. And mm-hmm. I write that down. Yeah. The Israeli guy says, no, no, I got a better idea. Let's do D H and Y. You know, we mm-hmm. think we're the chosen people. We think we're smarter than everybody else. Mm-hmm. So they come up with their own freaking uh, philosophies and the discipline is just not there. So then you have yeah. to use scare tactic, you know, i got to shoot in your leg. If you don't do what I tell you to do. So uh, wow. uh, what, one of the things is how we brought women into the shooting instructor world.
0: It's a funny story as well. Really? Wow. <laughs> I'm curious. I mean, there's yeah. so much good stuff here. So, <laughs> so, I mean, how did this go down? <laughs> women were great because, well, we all love women, right? That's an obvious. Yeah. But you guys have some getting, amazing, like, tactical, you know, females. You're kind of known for that.
1: Yeah. Well, to yeah. be honest, and this is a famous thing. This is famous, by the way. You can you can check yeah. me on Google. You can check me on Google on this. The most beautiful women in Israel mm. were always. Shooting instructors. They called them Mikey's angels instead of Charlie's Angels. They were called Mikey's Angels somehow. Mikey's angels. <laughs> now we we handpicked these oh, girls. We it's handpicked good. them. So they were in two units in the Israeli army: the Air Force mm-hmm. and shooting instructors with Mikey. Those were the two most wow. beautiful women. Now, women in Israel, by definition, are extremely extremely sexy women. You don't see obese They're,
0: women. It's in true. Israel. I've yep. been there 13 times. I can vouch for this gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing place to find
1: someone. Very sexy people. No, I wouldn't say beautiful. I would say sexy, right? There's a difference there. The bodies are good. I yeah. can't always talk about the faces. So uh, there's bags. For sh- no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. So uh, God forbid, my wife hears that I'm going to get in trouble. Right. So the um, there was a thought process to bring girls into being shooting instructors. This is back in the late 80s, early 90s. And there was a lot of kickback, even by me, mm-hmm. because I didn't believe that a girl that was not in battle mm-hmm. should be teaching men who had been in battle or are going into battle to yeah. deal with the gun. Okay. And it was a metamorphosis for me. I was not a true believer right. uh, on right. day one. And what I've noticed that women were better instructors than men with regards to patience. Mm. And they had another thing that men didn't have. They had beauty. And now this beauty thing they happens to be, to be, be
0: very... Kind of. <laughs>
1: 100%. Uh,
0: so they're like so, seducing you into doing what you're supposed to do. There's no ego <laughs> thing where we're like, I don't know if this guy's good enough to teach me. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> just just don't leave. Yeah. So you bring it, you bring it, you bring in this girl into this range in some hellhole, yeah. and, and then all these guys just freaking, oh my god, they and they don't do give the a work. shit what she says. I'll do whatever you say, just don't leave the range, okay? Yeah, you, you, you see, work. you see a flower in the desert, kind of thing, right? Wow. So, and then we understood that power, and yeah. it became such a, uh, a a tool. This is crazy shit. If you're a company commander in the infantry in the IDF, you're you're basically a kick-ass guy. Yeah, yes. yeah if you're a company it. commander, you're you're in the upper echelon. You're not the biggest guy. You know our air forces kick ass and shit like that. Our special yeah. forces is great, but if you're a company commander in the infantry, you're a high level guy, right? Yeah, you're maybe you're good. If he if he's cool. He's dating a shooting instructor. That was, that, <laughs> like the bad. You're in, you're in, you're, in. you're wow. you made it, you made it. So, um, that it is, was hard for me. I was a single guy. Most of, I got married when I was a lieutenant, colonel. I was already 36. So wow. having all these beautiful girls around you was not a very simple thing for me, but right. you have this, you have this fear that if God forbid you do anything bad, they kick you out of the army. So you gotta be uh, careful on that shit. There were ways around it. We won't go into that now, but there were <laughs> certain things that, uh, so these beautiful women, were able to um, uh, push the needle on wow. how the army shoots because they were able to get into the infantryman's head in wow. ways that not only the guys could do. So my instructors, maybe we had 600 of them. They would be divided half men, half women. You know, mm-hmm. it, was that, it was that kind of thing. Right. So, uh, and then we'd build women battalions, of uh, uh, fighters. Uh, watching a woman in a prone position shoot <laughs> and our and our shooting position in the IDF is different than America's. We're much more angled. Yeah. We're much more 90, our legs are 90 degrees. So my left leg would be 90 All degrees the way out. at nine. Yeah. And my right leg would be down at, at six o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then my body would be 45 degrees from that. And then my, my shoulders are 90 degrees. There's a whole bunch of angles that we play with. I'm actually right. built a shooting mattress for that. But the seeing a woman in that position, in the prone position, shooting like that, I don't know, man. You know, <laughs> it's motivating. I once had Mac, uh, rest in peace, Mac from uh, Future Weapons. Mm-hmm. He was a kick-ass Navy SEAL guy, ball guy, very, very famous. He did uh, called something something on Discovery Channel called Future Weapons. He did like mm-hmm. I think three or four or five seasons that he would go all over the world and and do this shit. He unfortunately passed away recently. Well. Uh, a few years back, maybe two, three years back, from from brain cancer, I think. Right. A Great guy. We stayed in touch after, and he came to my base in Adam, mm-hmm. in my and where my uh, the, the school was, the shooting school, the, the anti-terror school, and we spent uh, two days together, and we were shooting a lot with the Tavor, and he did some videos that you know they're out there, a few million views, and he said, Mikey, what are these women? What what is once again? Know, why am I
0: every time? You know, <laughs> and I've experienced it too. Like, what do you do? I'm a firearms instructor. I'm like. Okay, I mean, you know, I can learn some things. <laughs> you can teach me, your teach old lady. me. Teach me. Yeah. Teach. I'm right. teachable. I'm exactly. teachable. Exactly. Yeah. This is really amazing. So, getting into the, you know, the the platform, I and honestly for me it, it made sense and when I've been over in Israel, I've seen a lot of conversion kits and um kind of and I've seen a lot of kind of the Glock inside of a conversion kit kind of situations. What really you know what's the roots the inspiration for it how does it make sense you know I'd love to kind of get everyone a product overview in your words you know as the design as the uh the gada, as the way well, I got it up here yep. you know well, as the agata of this thing
1: yeah yeah no well done well done so listen the I ran the company that I run here I ran this company in Israel for about two and a half three years before I moved here Mm. And one of the reasons we, the partners and I, decided to move here five years ago was to see if we can uh, take, improve the CA's uh, stature in, in the American market, which was incredibly negative. Mm. Uh, CA back then was doing accessories, grips, rails, stocks. Yes. Um, they were doing that stuff way before Megpool. <laughs> and look where Megpool is, right? We were making magazines. This is before my time when I was still in the IDF, to be honest. And um, And the conversion kit was an unacceptable product to the American psyche. Really. So five years ago, coming here, trying to teach people, let's do a conversion kit. They were looking at me, no, no, it's no, no, it's a, it's a crutch. Go train with a handgun in the range. What are you? Sorry about the language. What are you a pussy? What you know? All that. stuff. So what we call a uphill battle, which I love. I love that. I love challenges when people say you can't do something. I love. Right. I love that. Shit. You know, that's where 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 you know it comes down to: can you do it or can you not? Right? Can you right. can you put the walk into the talk? So, I got very lucky, to be honest. If we the the true story is that I was at Shot Show in our booth, mm-hmm. and a company called Rated Red. Uh, they were a big Facebook production company. They no longer exist, by the way, but back then they were very big. Mm-hmm. And they came and interview. I didn't remember them. Twenty people interview at Chacho. Fifty people interview at Chacho. You don't even know who they are, right? You're just right. standing and doing your spiel and standing and talking, right? And they interviewed me on our previous, uh, the older product, the macaroni, and even Colin Nor on the NRA TV. And a lot of went in In any case, one day I come in. It was the 22nd of March, 2017. I remember the date forever. And I asked my guys here. Um, how much sales did we do yesterday on the internet? And they threw out an astronomical number to me for what we were used to prior to the 22nd of March. And I said, no, 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 guys, you made a mistake. I asked you how much internet we did yesterday, not the entire year. Go back and, and look at the numbers again. And they say, Mikey, we looked, it's, it's, it's that number. I said, okay. Let's calm down, let's breathe, let's try to understand what just happened. Let's see. start looking on social media, this is 2017. So the social media was still strong, but probably we I knew less about it back then than I do now. Um, and we found this video that Rated Red posted from the interview at SHOT Show, which was in late January. They posted it at the end of March and it went viral. So it wasn't crazy with was like a million views in a day, which is a lot back then on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Still is now. Facebook is a disaster today, but yep. on regarding that, it started to make some noise.
0: Yeah, it started, and, to, and they, then they, they,
1: and then people wanted to interview me in the the columnores and stuff like that. And then we started selling. It was okay. We started selling macaroni here, macaroni here. I built the, the the brand, so I made a video of macaroni and macaroni and pla- <laughs> uh, and, uh, and spaghetti, and I brought my daughter in, and we made fun of ourselves. We tried taking mm-hmm. ourselves not too seriously anyway. And then we wanted to upgo- we wanted to upgrade. We wanted to go to the next level, because we were selling but you know not, we, were, we were, became profitable, we weren't losing money anymore, but we weren't yeah, hitting a home run really, or any, really in any yeah. sense. right? We still had not captured the psyche of the, of, of the American uh, recreational shooter, law enforcement guy or home defense guy, which are the three legs that we stand on. Right. And, um, and then I went and I started thinking. You know, how do I do this? And I'm a very big ergonomic guy. Ergonomics is everything for me. And the Akadab, when you look at it, it looks insane, right? You have Mm -hmm. a a grip off to the right and that's your trigger and you're pulling down on the trigger instead of back, front to back. One day we'll talk about that. It's a totally different mindset, but I wanted to build something that was more comfortable for the end user. I Mm -hmm. always believe that comfort builds... Accuracy. If okay. I can stabilize my firearm mm-hmm. and I'm not stressing, I'm not using muscle to hold the gun steady, then I will be able to hold that gun steady for a longer period of time. We all eventually shake, whether you know it or not. Not you personally, but you know we all shake. with your listeners and you can even see people's head shakes. Heads. Shake, heads. Because they're going to the stock wrong, and they're bringing down their head to the stock at an angle, and you can look at their back of their neck shaking, and so many things that people don't even notice when they're shooting. But right. the ergonomic side of it, I took my hand and I molded it, made a mm-hmm. mold out of my my left hand, and then I built a grip around that. So the grip of the MCK, the Micro Conversion Kit, the MCK, which we make here in, in the USA, here in Florida, is my hand, mm-hmm. and when when we started selling these at the NRA show few years back, and when someone held them, mm-hmm. all I had to do he had to hold it. And yeah. once he held that, he said, "Wow, that's interesting because the front grip doesn't look it's like that. It doesn't t- look tactical. It's yeah, not yeah. tactical. It's not sexy. it's <laughs> not it doesn't have that uh, vertical look to it. It's a yeah. half a, it looks like a half a potato." You know, yeah, it, yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't look like anything. What people look at it, what is that bulky thing? They don't even get it. Right. So when you put your hand on there and you hold it, mm-hmm. it just everyone, and the, I don't care who you are, every yeah. person that holds the MCK says that's incredibly comfortable. I've never and felt like, a grip like sense. that. I've never felt a grip like that. And then they understand how much we're charging for it. Right. And it becomes a good feeling by. And then the force multiplier that you were talking about in the beginning, and we do it for the Glocks, and we do it for the ZigZowers, and we do it for the Smith and Wessons, and we do it for the Tauruses, and we do it for the Springfields and the CZs, and people think we only do it for Glocks. And now right. we're coming out with the Rugers and the Heckler and Colts and the and the Koenigs. So the we found something that makes you a better shooter. Whoever yeah. you are, I don't care how good you are, Mm -hmm. When you put your handgun into the MCK, you are now a better shooter. Now, this is simple, not because we're geniuses, because we're not. It's point of contact. When you hold a handgun, the only thing holding the handguns are the the palms of your hand. Right. And you can't even get all your fingers onto the handgun, right? You're you're overlapping hand on hand.
0: Right. You're so like locked in, kind of linear, doing
1: everything. The space that you're holding is is a small space. And then we have something called a trigger pull. And right. this trigger pull is now I'm holding something steady, but I have one of my fingers is now doing a movement, is in motion when everything else is stationary. And I have to pull this trigger in a way that doesn't affect these light handgun in my hands that can now be nastily affected by by if I screwed up my trigger pull. You know, I can hit low right, I can hit low left, I, I can flinch. So the trigger pull has an an immense effect on how far I can shoot with a handgun or how small my groupings are. 100%. What we were able to do was almost throw away the trigger pull, almost Mm. uh, to bring it down to almost zero importance. It's still important. But we minimized it drastically because now that I'm holding the gun in my shoulder, on my face and in my left hand, Which is three more points of contact than i have with the handgun so now it's four points and not three points right and not one point i'm sorry then the trigger pull has such a less effect on the outcome because i'm holding it so steady that even if i screw up my my trigger pull and i'm not good at a trigger pull and i can show you probably a hundred thousand videos out there of guys shooting a uh, uh shooting a gun or a handgun and killing the trigger doing the exact wrong things on a trigger pull. If right. I would say, "What is the one weakness mm-hmm. out of all the shooters?" And I probably, you know, I trained five hundred thousand soldiers. It's a lot. <laughs> uh, if I cool, if right. I take one base and I say, "What can I go into the American shooters?" I've been in uh, Peru, Colombia, Chile, South Africa. I've been in right. at least eighteen different armies around the world. If I can take one thing and say, "What is everyone screwing up?" It's probably two trigger yeah. pull. Mm-hmm. And the way they hold the gun. Yeah. The actual stance of the gun, it kills me. It kills me. It drives me nuts. So, you know, if they would just hold it right, it'd be so much easier. There should be no struggle when you're shooting. When you right. see guys struggling to hit, struggling to group, struggling to increase range, it's because they're doing something wrong.
0: You know, if they would just get it, you know, <laughs> things things would be a lot easier. It's difficult because we, you know. Uh, we associate shooting with combatives and many times it is. And even for me, you know, I was actually getting a lesson just like this last week on the range and my instructor's like, calm down, man, gentle. Like the intensity you're bringing to your draw stroke is what's slowing you down (laughs) with your draw stroke. And I'm just like, ah, like my brain, you know, with all the other combatives and, you know, military and all that is like, I'm having to re completely recondition and re brainwash myself to just understand that the more relaxed and comfortable I am, the faster I'll shoot, the more I'll stay on target, I'll float through the stages. Um, instead of being so intense, you know, and like taking the weight room to the range, you know. Well, firstly everyone likes looking cool. So let's break oh. that down. Okay. So <laughs> everyone wants
1: to be cool. Everyone wants to look like a kick ass tactical guy at the range. So oh, it you know, it's, there's a lot of manual ego here and they don't want to learn from other people because I'm God. Why do I need to learn from you? Yeah. But there's a movie that, that it's going to be, most people won't know it. It was called over the top. It was a Sylvester okay. Stallone movie. It was a stupid ass movie, but it was a movie about <laughs> arm wrestling.
0: Yeah, I remember this movie, man. Yeah, I love this movie. <laughs> the truck drivers and arm wrestling. Yeah, on, the oh, yeah. truck driver, exactly. Off sleeves, man. <laughs> it's a man, old school man movie
1: right there. And, and, and I, I don't know if you can remember because it's not a good movie, but <laughs> you, you do remember the movie. Before he would go into the arm wrestle, right? He was, you know, hopping himself up. He yeah. would take his hat and he would turn it around. He would yeah. turn it around 180 degrees. So it would be pointing yeah. back. I took that into my sniper world. I swear to God. And every time I opened up the safety of a gun, Mm -hmm. I would refocus. I was in a, I was in my tunnel vision. I was in, I was in a different, uh, different kind of environment in my mindset. So there would be this, there would be the Mikey before the, the safety is open. And then a Mikey after the safety. And, um, if you're, um, cognitive of what you are doing,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the actions you are making, you always need to check yourself. You know that's why drive fire in front of a mirror when your ammo is far away from you yeah. uh, <laughs> is is a very smart thing. You know you learn by seeing, right? You yeah. learn by doing. And a lot of times, people are doing things wrong, and their and their muscle memory becomes something that's negative. It's an, right. a negative effect. It's like when I had to move the guys from from the M4 platform to the Tavor platform in the IDF. It was it was insanity because the muscle memory, when you go from a regular gun to a bull where the right. stock, where the, the, the whole bolt mechanism, the magazine is in the rear. They have to and your left arm is coming to change the magazine, it's no longer there. It's not there anymore, it's in the back. You know, right. everything, everything changes. The even the we see in Hebrew but the center of, of weight goes from the middle of the gun being the center to the rear. So right. That was uh, another story that we'll talk about maybe another time. But how I brought the Tavor into the Ar- army, and whether it was a good or bad gun, that's irrelevant. My job was to build, put the Tavor into the army, and uh, and I decided because of this retraining stuff mm-hmm. that I can't do it. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do something that no one's ever done in the IDF, and I'm going to bring this new weapon system only through boot camp. So if you're an IDF soldier. By the way, men do three years mandatory, women do two years mandatory, right? So no questions asked, you got to join, right? Right. So if you're a year in the army or two years in the army or two and a half years in the army, I'm not going to give you a Tavor. You've been trained your whole life on the M4. You're not getting that gun. So if you're a boot camp soldier, because you've never shot a gun, there is no hunting in Israel, very Mm. little sports shooting, if at all. No one owns a gun. You can't buy an AR or an AK in Israel. You can't go into a gun store and buy that. It's non-existent. Right. So the whole right. mentality, that the first time a guy sees a gun is when he joins at 18 and joins the military. Right. That is the first experience of an Israeli with a gun right. in his life. Unless he saw his father, who was also in the army, and his mother, who was also in the army, or his yeah. big sister or big brother. That's the only time he saw a gun at home because right. you bring your gun home. But that, that's it you don't go shooting at a range, you know, it's very, very little, you know, it's, it's minute. There are some shooting ranges in Israel to shoot your handguns and they're probably, I don't know, five or six. And and uh, I don't yeah. know how many in Israel, but very few. And, but it's not a big deal. It's not, it's not developed. Well, I know um,
0: they, they have a bunch of handguns, man. Cause everybody yeah. <laughs> everybody there is, definitely back in handguns hold on it's like gonna, a wallet in israel uh, if you like hold no
1: no i'm I'm gonna have to disagree i don't want to disagree with you i don't know you well enough to disagree with you but i disagree with you <laughs> i mean it's and, your. and, uh, and yeah. i'm gonna I'm, I'm going to blow up another uh what the, idea about uh, it uh, that's a better to, word than idea but uh, whatever yeah. so these um a lot of times you talk about how does israel carry do they carry with around in the chamber why don't they carry with around in the chamber why do they cock the gun before they that why isn't the bull in yeah, the chamber the, I think it's called twelve or thirteen. I don't know. There's some stupid. I don't know. It's some. Um, some of your listeners for sure know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and I would get very pissed at this. Yeah. You know, in the entire Israeli military, and it's a large military. Now, it's you know we're a small country, we're the size of New Jersey, but everyone right. does the army as you as we spoke about. You know how many different units have handguns in the Israeli unit uh, as their secondary? You know, as a backup. You know how many units in the Israeli army have handguns as a backup? In the entire Israeli military, two, two very small units. Okay. No one in the Israeli military, no one, other than maybe less than 1%, Mm. have a handgun.
0: Really?
1: So we never train people with a handgun. (laughs) We never shoot with a handgun. It's all rifle. By the way, Mm. I'm much more of an expert in rifles than I am with handguns on a personal level. Okay. Personal level. There's people that know a lot more than I do about handguns, right. okay? I have no problem saying that out loud and screaming because it's just true. Right. Rifle, though, rifle though, I'm pretty good at. So, but the, the handgun, there's many, many better than me. Many, 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 many. Mm-hmm. The, no one carries a handgun in Israel. Now, there's such strict laws there. Mm -hmm. That you have to either be like a jeweler that's carrying diamonds from place to place, or there has to be a reason to have it. There used to be, there used to be, if you became a second lieutenant, right after you became a second lieutenant, you could go straight to the gun store and buy a handgun. That used to be law in Israel. hmm. And then they changed it, and they made it much more difficult to own a gun. You can, but it's more difficult. Does everyone carry? It depends where they live.
0: Oh Israel, maybe that's realism in Israel, there's
1: territories. So if right. you're across the green line and you live in in the territories, then you you always carry always hmm. one 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days. You'll never take it off ever, ever. <laughs> but if you're li- if you're living in, in Tel Aviv or one of the major cities, I would say 99.9 don't even have a handgun, you know. Oh so yeah it, it it depends where with that being said. So many people, you know, we have people that blow up buses and go into hotels and shoot up. So you're, you're, it makes sense to have more handguns. People should be armed. People should be able to defend themselves, especially in a place like Israel where it can come out of everywhere, right? Because the, the population that lives with you is trying to kill you sometimes. It's not just right. the guys across the border; they're coming from inside. So, um, but there, you know, I'm trying to think of all my friends and right. how many people and how many people actually carry a handgun in Israel, and and it's not a lot, it's just not a lot. When you're in the army, you're obviously, you're with a weapon 24 seven, right? You're right, never right. you're never letting go of the weapon. But if you're a civilian and you're retired from the army, you have to do reserve duty in Israel until you're 42, 45 years old. So yeah. you, you go from 18 to 21, you start your life, you go to school, you, you learn to be whatever you wanna do, become a businessman, whatever you wanna do. And then every year you have to do one month of, of service. Mm -hmm. So you keep on serving until you're 42 to 45. Some even go even longer than that. And, um, and that, and those guys that one month a year go back, put on the uniform, and they continue to serve. You know, when, when we go to war, Mm -hmm. the, the 18 to 21 guys are supposed to hold the lines for about 48 hours Mm -hmm. until the reserves come until there's a mass. That's what happens in every war. war. In every war, that's how it goes. So, um, but again, I wish I wish more people would carry in in, in Israel, and I wish it was easier to, to get a license. To be honest, I'm not there for five years, so yes. it, things could have changed in those five years, so I don't wanna say something that's now, but uh, that's my experience of being there 30 years.
0: Yeah, wow. I was wanting to get into, is there anything else about the MCK you wanna talk about? Then I'll kind of give everyone my kind of, but is there anything else about that weapon system that you really feel like people need to know and consider when they are, you know, when they're when they're looking at buying one. Um, well, the MCK itself, it, mm. it just makes shooting
1: so much easier. Right. So we we love this at all phases of life. Teaching right. your child how to shoot, getting a better grouping, yes. shooting farther. We say about three times your range you can hit with an MCK. So if I comfortably shoot at twenty feet. can hit at 60 feet if i comfortably shoot at 50 feet i can shoot at 150 feet if i comfortably shoot at 25 yards i can shoot at 75 yards that's around the average just because of the points of contact now we have an incredible amount of add-ons and we have flashlights and green lasers and red lasers and sights and red dot sights and thumb rest and we got glass breakers we got bipods we have bayonets you know we have so many different um add-ons that it's like people in this country this this following that we have and people have been amazing to us is like it's Like they're building, they have the AR build, they have an yeah. MCK build. So every two right. weeks, they get it, they get another. Uh, if they get paid, and here you get paid every two weeks, and Israel's every one month. So, mm-hmm. uh, every two weeks, we see the same guys coming back to us and buying something else, you know, adding on to their MCK, and we, we love it. We have a saying that we say, Welcome to the MCK family. Yeah, um, I, I honestly feel that way with all these people that have been so great to us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's far out past anything we ever dreamt of we're actually uh sending them out to ukraine now because of what's happening between russia and ukraine believe it or not and um and we see these they do extreme. We the state department gave us like a get out of jail free card with the itar which is a regulation of sending stuff outside of the country so now we don't we don't need to it's just an it's a standard export license which i don't nice. it makes them yeah it makes it easier so we ship all over the world now uh, Canada Europe Thailand South Africa the Philippines all over the middle east so it's been it's been a crazy crazy run we've been wow. able to employ a lot of people here in south and uh, south florida that we would never have thought that we could uh, it's been a a blessing to be able to hire people i, I don't think i have anything more fun as a ceo than mm-hmm. than hiring somebody uh, and i love that part of it um, it's not all good, but some of it, some of it is good. And, and the, and the stabilizer or the stock option, they fold. So it's very compact fits yeah. in your bug out bag. When right. I went to Fort Bragg and we did a three gun shoot with this, mm-hmm. they started using it as their truck gun. I didn't even know what a truck gun was. Right. I never even yeah. heard, I've never even heard that phase before. We don't have that yeah. in Israel. A truck right. gun. I remember coming once to a show, a media show called the big three. It was uh. in Daytona, Florida. This is when I still lived in Israel. And I was the CEO of the company there. And I came here to try to show the conversion kit in an optic and a shooting mattress. And we were very, they were very cool to us. The guys that we came in first place, they gave me this big trophy, it was very nice. But it's an influencer group, um, mm-hmm. media thing. And I remember coming there and I, I met with some of the salespeople here and we were at this like motel hotel. And I said, okay, where are all the guns? They said, they're in my truck. I said, yeah. no, no, but, but you're in the hotel now. How can your guns be in the truck? <laughs> no, no, we, we, we store them in the truck. I said, are you insane? You're putting a gun in a truck and you're here in this room? Because it is all you, you, you attach it to your body, right? You're not, right. Your, gun, your gun can't be in point A it's, it's, and you're in point B. You can't, yeah. <laughs> you can't leave it in your car. Are you insane? It's really, it's right. like, it was a mind boggling experience to me that people wow. can leave a a, a a firearm in a in a car. It's like a way. <laughs> Oh, so what if it gets stolen? Oh, so yeah, so they stole so we it. Like, we're so worried that if a gun gets stolen, it gets into a terrorist's hand and he goes shooting up some, uh, some, uh, some Doors. soldiers um, or women or children, right?
0: Yeah, 100%. No, I, and I completely agree with you. When I looked at it, it absolutely made sense. When I put, when I put it in my hand, I was sold, and I was kind of like, and that's what I said at the beginning of this conversation is it just made so much sense. And I was kind of like, well, you know, I got to be a little bit skeptical here. So, you know, let me just, let me just, let me look into it a little more deeply before I'm just like, this is awesome. And I, started, I started looking at all the different attachments and all the different things and ways I could build it out and different missions. I could, I, I could build different ones out for. Um, And, and, and then, you know, the concept of the force multiplier, you know, if I have, as a professional protector, you know, I can take this into places. I can actually drop my CCW weapon, consult with your lawyers based on where you live, obviously, guys. But you can take a CCW weapon that you just drop into one of these things, and it doesn't make it another weapon in a lot of cases. Um, that was huge to learn that that was a possibility. Um, you're, not,
1: you're, not, you're not dedicating your handgun to this, right? So you can right. put it into the MCK and out of the MCK in two seconds physically right. two seconds now i'm not exaggerating when i'm saying two seconds it's, it's when right. you practice it's two seconds and, and that and then i don't need any tools i don't need any ellen keys i don't need any screwdrivers i, I don't have to. That. i don't have to dedicate anything so i just take it from my holster i put it right in there i can throw this in my squad car you know have my my handgun next to him on my hip and then if i need to shoot farther i just put it in here and you know it's simple right. so i think the speed the, the the what it weighs the compactness the the the, the smile on the guy's face when he sees his group, you know, uh, and by the way, a lot of the recreational officers, the guys yeah. are protecting schools that they have these MCKs because it's also it scares people a little bit. It scares them more than having a handgun. Right. Oh yeah. So you want to you be a deterrent. Sometimes you don't you don't want to yeah. go to battle. You don't want to kill people. It's not a good thing to do. Right. right you don't more. want to have to do that but you also you want to deter people right you want to keep if you don't want, you don't want some crazy person going into a mall or to a movie theater or to a school and shooting up anything right so if you're able to stand right. outside and have one of these and that's what we do in israel and it it's, yes, it, it, is. it, it it makes them think twice you know i'm not ah, saying it's not full, it's not you can't get through and it's foolproof i'm not saying that but i'm saying that you know it's a deterrent so the recreational officers are eating these up as well, you know, oh, so right. uh, the law enforcement here in South Florida, it just makes sense to a lot of people. So right. that, sometimes you have we we say it's a conversion kit. We call it convert to the kit. <laughs> convert, uh, I actually did a rap song, a, 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 oh gosh, a music video with a guy, Well, it's a, a guy named Black Ramble. Some people don't like him in the world. Oh, exactly. So some, but just uh, and we call it commit to the kit. So commit we call uh, uh, or, or or so or convert to the kit or yes. convert. So we're, we play with those words a lot. And what we've always seen, you know, the vast vast majority of the people that either right. held this or shot with this. Become believers and yep. the non believers, the amount of them are becoming less and less and less just because more people are shooting and shooting with it. And they saw it at a range and it looked cool. And what has he got at the range? And what everyone likes the range. I want to try that. And a friend tells a friend. And we got families. We got fathers and mothers and sons and daughters buying them. It's like, we love this shit. We came right. out with the gen one, then we came out with the gen two. Now we're coming out with the gen three. So we're we're trying to keep it real. Every month and a half, two, we come out with a new version, a new, a new uh version, a new right. model. We fit about 135 different handguns now, and we're trying to inc- increase that all the time. But we're also coming out with our own um MCK rifle now, a a nine millimeter, a 10, and a two, two, three. And it's oh, going to be uh, an MCK firing system itself. It won't be a handgun conversion kit. It will okay. look exactly like an MCK, uh, the way it looks, but it'll be a its own firing system. That's so. Hopefully, hopefully, two of those will come out this year.
0: I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. But yeah on the on the family side of things, it's uh, in terms of home defense and giving you know your loved one who's maybe not as good of a shooter as you something that they can definitely work with inside inside closed spaces. That, that's huge as well, you know, so I, I see the force multiplier kind of practical application for the weapon system, for the professionals and also for just the protectors of the world, the, the civilians, you know. Um, I think that's really what drove me to join forces with you guys as well. And yeah, you're evolving quickly, man. I, some of the stuff I you guys, most of what I've seen in Israel and then just talking with you these last few times, the practicality. And then also the real world experience, you know, it's not you're not just like you know a successful businessman that's steering a company, um, and I think that trickles down to the products that we're able to enjoy as the end users. We know. wanted to make an affordable one and made in America. i um, screw this overseas
1: China. That was shit. the last
0: <laughs> thing. The, the price. When I heard the price, I was like, ah, okay, done. Yeah. Give me yeah.
1: two. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happens, to be honest, because there's no need to be greedy. There's right. no need to overprice this. When we first came out with the Ronies back then, we were charging $550. You know, people think it's going to cost between 400 and 500. And then they hear you can get it for 249 or 225 yeah. or 265 or in the low twos if you need to. Mm. Um, it, it became a, a no brainer. You know, right. I already have the handgun. Why not? I don't have to go spend money and buy an AR or buy, buy this or buy that. I don't have to do anything like that. It's, as you said, force multiplier. You know, right. we've had people that had guns in their safe. that they haven't taken out in a while, yeah. and the the MCK brought them back to life. Like, uh, we we were blown away. Tauruses, a Taurus. I didn't know there's freaking so many Tauruses. It's an inexpensive handgun, but a shitload of people have them, I guess. Right. There was a month, I think, in either December or January, that the Tauruses outsold the Glocks, and that's like insanity for me, you know, and I have like eight different options for Glocks. And then there's something called a Smith and Wesson SD9. I didn't even know what a Smith and Wesson oh, yeah. SD9 was. So, so yeah. these guys are taking them out of their safes and dusting them off the cobwebs and putting them into the MCKs. And we brought these, this stuff back to life. A lot of people don't that's even true. know we do stuff that's not Glock related. So the porous right. is insanity. The amount of <laughs> MCKs. And I, 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 we have a big distributor called Sports South, uh-huh. and and you know we sell in all the major distributors, but Sports South is probably one of our bigger, mm-hmm. and. We tell them, you got to take this Taurus. They say, Taurus? Mikey, you know, shut up.
0: You know know what you're
1: talking about, but what are you talking about? I said, listen to me, you idiots. (laughs) Take take 20. Take 20, and I promise you, when they hit your shelves, I promise you the next day they're not there. I get an order from Sports South every week. There hasn't been one order in my, since I got them to do this maybe three months ago, that they have not ordered Tauruses. They just keep (laughs) on It's not just me on my website. It's just everybody. Right. You know, you go to the gun shows. Our MCKs, you go to a gun show in America, I would bet 75 out of 100, you'll, you'll see an MCK there. It just, just, it the just took over. It just, went, it just, went, it just, went, it just went viral. <laughs> we did 250 million views on social media, on platforms that we used to have, like Facebook. And then exactly. 250 million views created uh, noise and and then people come. Oh, I saw that. Even at the great outdoor show in Harrisburg two weeks ago, right. at the NRA show, yep. some of them don't know what it's called. They don't know what's called an MCK. They but sometimes it mix was- it up and call it something else. But I saw that somewhere. I've seen that. I've seen that somewhere, you know, the, in their brain, in the psyche, people have seen it. There are some people, by the way, that still have never seen it. Right. And they've never seen a handgun conversion kit, which pisses me off. And that means we're not doing a good enough job of marketing, but, <laughs> but 99.9% of America has not bought an MCK that can. So we yeah. haven't scratched the surface yet, even though we've been very fortunate. Thank God.
0: Well, I mean, uh, the same thing happened to me. I had a Glock that's just been sitting back in the you know, in the safe. And I'm like, hey, you know, um, I mean, you just, you're onto the next one. You're onto the new thing. And then I got my unit and it's like, it's like I have a brand new gun. It's a completely different gun. It's a completely different experience. It's a completely different everything. I've been running around running my Glock all the time now, you know, with this thing on it. So that's um that's I'm glad how you enjoy it because we just wanted to make
1: shooting more fun. You know, yeah. force multiplier is great in being tactical and being better shooters, but we just wanted to make it more fun. We yeah. figure if people like shooting more, they're gonna bring more people into it. And then we'll get more people uh, supporting the Second Amendment, guys, and people more into supporting this. I think, and and it'll keep America sure. even safer. You know, uh, sometimes we see criminals using our product, which sucks, but it, it that happens as well. You know, so uh, it's out there. So
0: outstanding. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's the tool is a tool kind of thing. Um, but I agree with you. The more people, uh, you know, a dangerous society is a polite society. The more people who are armed and capable, uh, the better off we'll be for sure. Mck. This has been, this is amazing. Uh, the background that you bring to you, the product is awesome. What would you say uh, is next? Can you talk a little bit about the Gen 3s and what's next? Sure, or? Sure, sure, sure. Yes, sir. Well, we, there, there are two major
1: things that we, we spoke about a little bit. We have the new models coming out. So we have the Ruger American Series, full size 9 and 45, and compact 9 and 45. Those should be out probably in a month to a month and a half. Uh, the Zigsour X series should be right behind that, and then we're coming out with the Koenig uh, TP9 and the HK VP9. Those should be out probably in the next seven to eight months. So, okay, so those I'm... four those four are the 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 new models coming out. Now, regarding the MCK Gen three, mm-hmm. I think to be uh, realistic, we're probably two and a half months out. Okay. So the the Gen three is a is a different animal if you have an RMR on your handgun, if you have a uh, red dot uh, optic, a uh, small optic on your handgun, right. you could not use our handgun conversion kit. You could not use the MCK. Right. And right. that world in America is growing, and more people are going with handguns with optics. Mm-hmm. So in our Gen 3, we <laughs> allow you, Well, you can keep your, hand, your optic on your handgun. You don't have to take it off like you did with the Gen 1s and Gen 2s to insert it inside your handgun into the chassis. Nice. And because we thought okay, if I'm allowing you to put it in, maybe I can find a way to allow you to use it while it's in. Right. So we built we built a system in the stock stabilizer area. There's a Picatinny rail in the rear that's going up and down Picatinny, yes. and you can lower your stock <laughs> stabilizer to there's a top floor and a bottom floor. Yep. And the and the bottom floor then allows you to see through the optic that's on your slide and to shoot with the MCK. So I don't need a new optic. I don't want to zero anything anymore. It's already zeroed on my on my handgun. Right. And I can actually use that optic. So I save you the need of putting an additional red dot on the, on the MCK. Wow. We also build a car wash system inside mm. and there's some carbon buildup on your handgun on the edge of the slide when you pull it out of the MCK. And so we build brushes on the right and on the left that when the slide goes back and forth while it's shooting it's rubbing against the bristles which is basically cleaning the carbine, carbon from your from your uh front of your slide. So right. uh, like uh, I woke up in the morning with that idea. It was a little car wash idea. Um, and the the stabilizer stock folds both righty and lefty. We kinda mm-hmm. we kind of didn't take care of the left-handed guys enough. So um we made the stabilizer stock fold uh left and to the right. And the charging handle itself, we had to redo it because the real estate is now. It normally sat on top of the slide. Now right. that there's an RMR there, I lost the real estate. So we're using that rear butt plate of the Glock. You're taking that out. You're putting in another one. And you're going to be using a new Gen 3 charging handle that can live on a handgun while the uh, optic is on it. And the that Gen 3 charging handle can also go back to the previous versions into the Gen 2 and the Gen 1 MCKs. And that should be out next week. So next Friday. Uh, should be the release of the new charging handle, nice and uh, yeah. So we're we're selling that separately on the on the website. Uh, it's an MCK Gen Three charging handle, and Perfect. it and it's uh it's just a more stable charging handle. But this one you have to screw into the body. So right. in this situation, and I have to be honest here, you are dedicating your handgun in a way uh, that the rear piece, the rear butt plate, you have to switch, but you can put it in your holster like that. But once you put into the MCK, you have to come from the side and connect the charging handle so you're able to cock and, and manage the handgun when it's inside the chassis. So that right. takes about, I don't know, two to three seconds. Yeah. So, it's, um, but so that's, that's, our, that's the new generation coming out, the MCK Gen 3. And then obviously we have the agada coming out and, and then the, the rifle systems that I haven't named yet. I haven't given them a name. I have to yeah. start thinking about that.
0: Outstanding. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And honestly, I... Um, my little Glock that was just my Glock 19 that was living in my safe is pretty much dedicated to my MCK now. I've got I've got I've got it in a nice little like uh, 511 LV10 bag. Um, I've got the extra mags. I've got it all set up. I've got a little body armor behind it. You guys have seen the review by now. If you haven't, go check it out. It was,
1: it was awesome. You did a great job.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. It's just, It just makes so much sense uh, for so many people. Man. I, was, I wanted to get that out. So, so much more good stuff coming. And when I saw the Gen 3 at SHOT show, I instantly was like, awesome. I can drop my optic in here. I can sit this thing up a little bit higher and I can just run with what I got. And I, Actually, that caught my eye very quickly when I was at your guys' booth
1: we're trying to evolve we we don't want to be stationary you, you're stationary you're dead so no, <laughs> we're, 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 we're trying to keep it coming and and to be honest we're listening to our guys because huh? our customer base is the reason we exist so without them uh you know they're not non-intelligent people these guys are the when we want to do a new product we ask them should we do yeah. this or should we do this we we actually listen to them because they know better than we do So uh, we, we, and we screw up sometimes we Mm -hmm. screw up on customer service. Sometimes we screw up on R and D sometimes we're far from being perfect. You know, Mm -hmm. we've had our mess ups and we've done uh, stuff that we shouldn't have done and we just have to make things right. You know? So um, we've been very lucky that we've done a lot more good than bad Uh, but there is a lot of room for improvement and we have to strive. I have to strive to be a better father and husband and, uh, and friend as well. It's not just a better CEO and a better businessman. So, you know, owning this company is a big deal for me. It's, uh, it's a big part of what I am. Um, and uh, we enjoy, I, yeah, we have passion for this, you know? And if you can have passion for what you do, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm going to do it and um, ride the wave, as we say. We just ride
0: sure. the wave. No, 100%. And then one last, and we've got closing questions after this, but one last experience I have already had with mine was, I was doing some training the last seventy-two hours with a bunch of tier one assets, tier one operators, and um, you know we we bring our weapons out, we bring all our stuff, and we're all kitted up. And you know the butt sniffing's going on, and everyone's kind of looking at what everyone's got. And I roll up with this MCK, which I think looks awesome. It looks like a futuristic, like what is that? And everyone's like walking over, like sniffing it out, like what is this thing? Like what what what, what do you got? Like what are we doing? And I explain it to him. You know within the ep mission and how it fits in and kind of the advantages and pretty much everyone was sitting there like man that's pretty sweet they're like this is this is pretty cool check this guy's gun out and i was just like yeah i mean it's just a clock you know it's just a clock i threw inside of a micro conversion kit you know no big deal but it was it was really cool to see everyone be like that makes sense you know so i was handing it around guys were checking it out so that that, um, yeah, man, it's definitely something if you guys haven't checked it out, you got to. It's good stuff. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, this has been awesome already. Thank you. A few, let's see here. Favorite quote, favorite mantra, sir.
1: Interesting. Um, I haven't been asked that question. I always say if God had not existed, it would have been necessary to invent it. There's an old philosopher in France, Voltaire was his name. Yes. And and I love that sentence, if God did not existed, because there are times that our strength is not enough and we need something higher than us, you know, something bigger yep. than us. So whether we believe or not, whether we believe a little bit, don't believe, I'm not really, very much a practice practicing Jew at all. I'm not very religious at all, probably right. the other side of religion, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But believing that there's a higher power than you, that you're not the best, that there's something bigger than you. Uh, it may
0: make you leave a better imprint in life, you know, uh, make people's lives better. Outstanding. That's good, man. I love it. All good stuff. And I've definitely had to ask for help multiple occasions. <laughs> um, right, I swear I'll never do this again. <laughs> Please just get me out this time. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
1: I've said that my 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 wife, unfortunately, was was diagnosed with uh, with breast cancer about a year ago. Wow. and That's and true. she's young you know relatively for breast cancer she's uh, 47 Mm-hmm. And uh, it caught us off guard. We weren't, weren't ready for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a time where you get closer to God real quick. You get closer yeah. to your wife. You get closer yeah. to your wife, but you get closer to God. Because now you're talking about shit you can't control, man. You give yeah. me a gun. You give me a target. I'll deal with it, right? Yeah. Uh, this this stuff is, you know, way above my pay grade. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, and thank God, you know, we caught it early. And she did the operations. And she did the radiations. And she did everything she needed to do. And she'll still taking the stuff that you need to do now. And thank God she's, she's past that. So it, okay. it does break, it does make the family core stronger. It right. could break some, I would assume, but I would say most it makes stronger. And uh, she's a big trooper. She's the, the, the tough one in the house. I'm, I'm not the tough one. Okay. And uh, so there, there's a, there's a God in your life when you need them, you know? So yeah. um, that's a special thing about, about God. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, no, that was that was great. That was outstanding. That was good stuff. The uh, let's see, a habit uh, that you think people should consider integrating into their lives to be a better protector or just a better person. Habits are important.
1: You know, there the the self awareness is always important. You know, it it sounds cliche ish, but you know, we try to go into a restaurant and have our face towards the door, try not having your back towards the door. This simple stuff. Yeah. Um, but easy. but I think but I think just being thankful to people, you know, I took my son on Sunday to Walmart uh, uh, Sunday before mm-hmm. and we he's 11. Nicest kid in the world. You know, he's a pain in the ass, but nice kid. Right. And uh, and we had our birds in the bee talk in the pool. So I was telling him about women and the biology side of it. You know, he doesn't know this stuff yet. He's a, he's a young 11, by the way. Okay. And uh, he's probably 11 going on eight. So, uh, and and I'm hugging him during the pool and just yeah. like talking to his ear. So I'm not looking at him, I'm hugging him. And yeah. we did it for about an hour and a half in the pool. That sounds was, like heaven. It was, it was awesome, by the way. Yeah. But I said to him, I want to go do a social experiment with you. And he said, what? I said, come, you come with me. I want to teach you about being nice. So we go to Walmart and I say, okay, I want you to film this on a video. And it, I'm going to get a piece of chocolate, like a Hershey bar, at a Hershey bar. Yeah. And I'm going to go behind someone. And if that person says, coming before me, because you only have one item, I'm going to buy that guy's groceries. Yeah. Okay? That's, a lot of people have done this on social media, but I've never done it. I've never <laughs> done anything like that. So we go to Walmart and got we got unlucky they were extremely efficient at walmart for the first time in my life and the first and time ever so it, oh, it's sunday at 5 p.m. Yeah. and there just was, wasn't enough foot traffic it was it was, on, it was on flamingo and here in south florida and they had five open open registers so every time someone would come they would immediately get their stuff and it would start running on the, the conveyor belt. I yeah. couldn't get a line. I needed a line. So you couldn't get two people because you had three, four people at one time max, and they all had their own line. I'm saying like, this is sucks. So we're staying there waiting and waiting. <laughs> the and first he said, time in Walmart he, history. He said, and he <laughs> says, Daddy, just just go offer to buy them the groceries. I said, nope, they have to do something nice. If they don't do something nice, I'm not buying it. And I said, Maybe we'll get lucky, we'll get an old person. You know, you always want to help the old people more. Yeah, yeah. So uh we see this lady with a big ass uh uh all right. Whatever, uh, pushy thing, yeah. Yeah, no, whatever they're called, the uh, stuff you put your food in. My English sucks, and um, and I go to her. I didn't say anything. I stood behind her. I didn't say hello. I didn't introduce myself. She looked. And she said, "Would you like to go before me? You can go still. before me." And I said, "Awesome." You know, finally, you know, we must have been there forty minutes. So <laughs> I said, "I said no, thank you, but I want to buy your groceries." And she's like, "You're not going to do that. you You don't need to do that." I said, "I want to do that." Are you, are you serious? And I said, "Yeah." But there's a lot of groceries in, in this cart, and yeah. I said, "No, no, it's it's, um, it's 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 okay. I got it, I got it." Right. And she started tearing up, and it was like I don't know, 170 bucks. It wasn't that big deal, right? But and she hugged me, right? And she must have been 75 years old, you know. This, wow. lady. by the way, wearing a mask. I'm, I'm not all, but <laughs> but, but you <Anyone's> uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't wear a mask in Florida. So right, in right. any case, the uh, my son's you know filming this on video, mm-hmm. and. And for some idiotic reason, I kept the receipt. I don't know why I put it in my wallet. I don't, was I don't know because I was, because I was most... paying for it because I put my credit card in there. I don't know. It was stupid. I didn't yeah. think. And I'm I'm a thinker. That's my thing. She's yes. walking out of Walmart with the with the cart, and secu- <laughs> the security guy in the front by the gate says, uh, where's, "Where's your where's your He's like, "Stole uh, the groceries," you know. Oh, so I God. start running across Walmart like a freaking um, idiot with the with the with the invoice, with the receipt in my hand. I'm gonna give it to her, but I got another hug. So, yeah uh, that's awesome
0: <laughs> nothing's perfect but do nice things it's powerful do nice things that's a powerful thing it is it's extremely powerful
1: wow simple things hold the door open for somebody say yeah. thank you say thank you to somebody smile at somebody yeah. you know let a guy come go into a lane you know yeah. you're so aggressive on the on the on the street i find myself being aggressive i want to shoot people while i'm driving home you know it's just <laughs> a scary thing you know yeah so sure. um yeah you
0: know. That's awesome, man. That's powerful stuff. And it'll just, it'll really beautify even the life of the giver, that whole, it's more blessed to give than receive. It's like, it's actually, when you really start playing the game, you really start being like, wow, you know, the, my ability to do this is huge. Even like you're talking about bringing on new employees and things like that, being able to provide something that can provide for people like this is, these things are, are really high level, high value things in my opinion. So awesome, sir. Thank you so much for your time, attention, your influence, your work product, you know, what you're really creating and putting in the hands of good people. Um, uh, It's been awesome to speak with you and um, to be part of this work. I'm looking forward to everything. It was truly my pleasure.
1: Just keep up the work. You're doing great work and just enjoy, be safe. And we're always here and uh,
0: enjoyed our conversation. Outstanding. Thanks again, sir. We will talk soon. Be good, man. Be safe. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. Boom. Boom. Yo, what up? I hope you guys really enjoyed that episode. Hey, listen, in order to get more out of the brand, I want to encourage you to go join us on our social media platforms and join us at ProtectorNation.com. We post different types of content on our different platforms at different times. Uh, you'll get blog posts, you'll get videos, you'll get real-world combat engagements and things like that, so stay plugged in in order to get the most out of the brand. In order to support us, also go to protectornation.com and buy something or join forces with me on Patreon. You'll scroll down the homepage and you'll see the link. Uh, anything you can give counts, you know, think about whatever you would lose in your cushions or like spend on McDonald's this month, five bucks a month, whatever it is. Uh, that helps that helps us make the world a better place by making good people dangerous. Anyways, this is Byron Rogers, Protector by Nature and by Trade. And I'll see you on the next piece of content, whether it's a video or podcast out.